Wall Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Worldcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Koslowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Baseball, America's national pastime. And although it has dipped in popularity in recent decades, Major League Baseball players are still the third highest paid professional athletes on average. Although still less money than the executives that we have discussed on the podcast before, professional baseball players are millionaires, especially if they're good. Today, we discuss one of the best baseball players to ever do it in over a century of the game. Pete Rose, whose contributions to the Cincinnati Reds resulted in three World Series victories and a slew of personal records and milestones set by Pete himself. Somehow, though, Pete Rose is not inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame and looks like he never will be. The answer to why is steeped with corruption, gambling, and crime. So without further ado, let's take the field and get ready to knock this one out of the park. Bump. Bam, 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 bam. I know I wanted to do the, I can't remember how it goes. It's like, dun, 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 no, no, no. I was like, you did take me out to the ball game. So that, yeah, works. that was the next one, but it was like, I, fuck it. Never mind. <laughs> this is a great description. Uh, it's, it's something. It's like, dun, 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 dun. no, 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 never mind. We're done. We're done. I'm just, I'm not even, I can't remember. Anyway, um, <laughs> we have a very exciting update before we jump into today's story. Um, yeah, that we missed last week, yeah, and I oops. didn't realize until I started editing the episode, and I was like, I'm not going to add it in now. It'll be weird. We'll talk about it next week, but now we're like a week and something, uh, you know, separated it's from fine. it or whatever. It's fine. Uh, Elizabeth, Better late than never. <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes, we shared on our Instagram, but mm-hmm. did get convicted on several counts of fraud. She did not get uh, convicted on the um, defraud, intent to defraud investors. Which that one was weird because we definitely should have. We talked about the multiple times that she did fake demonstrations of the Edison for investors. So she obviously, like the whole product's fake. So you know you're defrauding anybody who. Yeah, I I, I don't, I don't know. know. It Whatever. Was, it was a weird trial. She's still awaiting sentencing, mm-hmm. um, but she is convicted. So uh, we won again. Suck it, Elizabeth Holmes. We won again. Suck it, Elizabeth Holmes. You suck. Um, you, you and des- your creepy eyes. You deserve uh, the prison sentence you're getting, but don't worry. When Donald Trump probably somehow gets elected in 2024, he will pardon you. I'm sorry if that comes true and that I, I put that on the world. If but- you manifested that as a joke right now, <laughs> I will never forgive you. I don't think it would be my fault, to be very honest. If it happens, I'm blaming you. I think you should blame America if it happens, but that's just me. Um <laughs> And speaking of America, speaking of me, actually, um, as you guys might know, because we did a Lenny Dykstra episode, another baseball player a long time ago. Ah, yes. I am a big baseball fan. So I love baseball. I love doing this podcast on uh, rich people that commit crime. So today we're just going to go ahead and we're going to get in the dugout, man. Feed my ego more by doing. We're really going to run these diamonds. Take it home. Yeah, I don't think run these diamonds. Is, this isn't. We're not. We're not saying, out yeah. in left field on this one. We're right. We're hitting the balls. <laughs> it's out of. It's out of left field. I don't like everything. Is like so close to something that makes sense. Like everything you just said, but like none of it does. It's really interesting <laughs> how close you got, but still how far I you were. I was trying to make baseball puns. <laughs> I'm assuming that's going to happen more often than not in this episode. Oh, my God. So buckle up for this, those. This is like the time when you made me. Um, this is like the O.J. Simpson episode when you like. I think it was O.J. Simpson when you asked me a bunch of ba- football stats. You're like, Nina, what does this mean? Yeah. yeah. I think I got one right. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Uh, uh, so today we're diving back into the world of sports. This is now our third Sports kind of centric episode, Lenny yeah. Dykstra, OJ Simpson, if you count those, it was more about murder, but we did talk about football. And now 
We're on to Pete Rose. But before we get to Pete Rose, I wanted to start today with a different scandal, a scandal much older than Pete Rose. Uh, And this was going to set the stage for why MLB and the Major League Baseball would be so upset about gambling affecting their sport. Uh, The year is 1919. And the best team in baseball at the time, the Chicago Black Sox, which would later become the Chicago White Sox that we know now, uh, have made it to the World Series against the Cincinnati Reds. They changed their name because they washed their socks. Uh, they bleached them, yeah. yeah. Oops. Laundry fuck up. We've got to change our whole name. I bleached it again. Uh, this is better. They used to be known as the uh, Black Stockings. You know, before that they changed stupid. Before they changed it to socks, uh, stockings was definitely... <laughs> The thing. That's stupid. I could not go see a team called the White Stockings. I'd be like, this or is, the Black Stockings. This is stupid. Um, I guess the stockings are like kind of sexy. So not on eighteen, like late eighteen hundreds men. Beggars can't be choosers. All right. Uh, so they've made it to the World Series. A great accomplishment. But something was wrong in the Black Sox clubhouse. The players were furious with their owner, Charles Comiskey, who actually the White Sox Park was named after until like eight years ago. It was called oh, Comiskey Park for like a hundred years. And now it's guaranteed right field. I was just going to say, isn't it guaranteed right? Yeah, which is a whole different thing. No one, People still call it Comiskey Park, but that's fine. Uh, and Charles Comiskey was known as a miser who was underpaying the talent on his team, especially since his team had just won the World Series in 1917. What a shyster. But he was known to underpay them. And he used to be a player, and he was actually involved in a labor dispute when he was a player that he fought for the player side and then became an owner and started underpaying the players. Wait, when was base- Major League Baseball invented? Oh, dude, like like the 1880s. Oh, okay. It's very old. Um So the Black Sox uh, decided to find another way to get the money that was owed to them. However, uh, they didn't go about it the best way. Uh, They got together in a secret meeting where they decided to throw the 1919 World Series in return for a payout from a gambling syndicate led by American crime boss Arnold Rothstein. Now, so they accepted it. They all got together, eight of them together in the secret meeting. Um, And at first, they did attempt to throw the World Series. They lost three of the first five games uh, in a best of what used to be a nine-game series. Now it's seven? Seven, like it is today, yeah. Um, But then, the players didn't receive the money that they were going to get paid out. They, like, asked for it in advance to make sure they'd get it, and they didn't. So they attempted to double-cross the gambling syndicate and started winning the games instead. So they won the next two so okay. so if they basically if they win four in a row now, they win. And they won the next two. But before game eight, uh the gambling syndicate sent threats to the players and their family members, threats on their lives. Uh so the Black Sox lost game eight in the series along with it. And uh despite losing, uh seven of the eight players involved in the scandal received five thousand dollars or the equivalent of seventy five thousand dollars today for throwing the World Series. Mm. But they were also banned for life from baseball oh. by the first commissioner of the of Major League Baseball, Kennesaw Mountain Landis, uh, who was literally appointed because the owners wanted someone to deal with this scandal. He was a former judge that they appointed to be the first commissioner of baseball. Interesting. And he had all of them banned for life, including one of the best players of the era, Shoeless Joe Jackson, who you might have even heard the name of, even though you don't know anything about baseball. Did he not wear shoes? I don't know. I knew you were going to ask that, and I didn't look it up. Um, Let me look. Okay. I must know. Okay, so in an interview published on October 1949 edition of Sports Magazine, Jackson recalls that he got his nickname during a mill game played in Greenville, South Carolina. Jackson had blisters on his foot from a new pair of cleats so much that he took his shoes off before he was at bat. Oh, there you go. Yep. He went to at bat with no shoes on. That makes sense, I guess. I guess. Uh So, this story shows us that gambling has a history within Major League Baseball. And people have a reason to want to keep gambling on games and the players who play them separate. uh, Disregarding the obvious conflict of interest, where, obviously, if you're on a team, and you can can throw a game and then bet on the game to lose, you know? Yeah. There's many sports movies about that concept, right? Yes. um, But this is not a movie. This is real life. So we move on. My life is a movie, bro. I mean, they did make a movie out of Pete Rose 
Uh, it was called Hustlin. Mm. ESPN did it. I didn't watch it, but it is it is there. Um, and Peter Edward Rose was born on April fourteenth, nineteen forty one, in the beautiful land of Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, yeah, He's, it's gorgeous. He said sarcastically. Um, he, one of four children, he lived a modest lifestyle as a child and was an active member of the extremely creepy kids bop version of Freemasonry, which is called Demole International, which, uh, honestly, that was one of the interesting things to come from this is that I looked up what that is. It's like this weird religious organization named after the last member of the Knights Templar, the last leader of the Knights Templar before oh they God. murdered him, Charles de Mole. And it's literally like a Freemasonry sect, but for children, like 12 to 21. Okay, Freemasons and Knights Templars freak me out. If I was dating someone and they, I found out they were a Freemason, I would stop dating them. Oh, that just means they're a nerd. Like a weird kind of nerd, but a nerd. Okay. Mm, Freemason, it's not real. It's fake, Nina. It's weird. It is weird. I would rather my boyfriend play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, because Dungeons and Dragons is cool. Er, than that. Touche. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so although literally the day of recording this, by the way, Pete Rose is in the news saying he was better at playing football than he was at baseball, his high school history seems to prove that wrong as he was smaller than most and was never promoted to the varsity football team. Womp womp. He was the starting running back on the freshman team, never made it to varsity, and dejected by this, he let his grades slip and was notified that he would either need to take summer school or be held back a grade. Uh, and his father decided it would be better for his son to repeat the year of school rather than miss out on a summer of baseball, even though Pete's high school coach later said that Pete was only the third best player on his high school team. How many people were on the team? That's probably like 26. That's not a bad percentage. It's not a bad range. He's at a small Cincinnati high school. Listen. <laughs> Third best is better than 20th best. You know what? You're not wrong, but also to be held back a grade to do one more summer of baseball. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. You know, and you're not even the best player on your team. Mm. Uh, But, I mean, Pete's dad was kind of crazy because he also wouldn't let him go see the movies because he thought it would affect Pete's eyesight and make him worse at baseball. I think his dad just wanted to play baseball. Just live vicariously Mm -hmm. through him. That's what everyone does, right? Uh, Especially back in the 60s. Or this was the late 50s that he was in high school. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just like Lenny Dykstra, Pete claims to never have read a book besides the Major League rule book. Why are some of the best players of baseball so dumb? Because they are just physical strength and brute. They're literally just like, I can't read. They're like, It'll I hit ball. I run. They hit ball. I run. They hit ball again. I run oh. again. <laughs> Well, Pete Rose uh, hit ball and ran for four years in high school, but remember, he got held back a grade. So in Pete Rose's fifth year of high school, he was no longer eligible to play on the baseball team because it's so his fifth year. So this was pointless. Well, so instead, during his fifth year, he joined a local adult amateur league where he batted an astounding 626, which uh, for Nina and those at home who don't know... That's really good. Oh, I thought it was going to be bad, and I was going to say that makes sense because Stitch was Experiment 626 in Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, but, I mean, Stitch was at least an antihero. He's not just bad. True. So, you know. uh, So, no, he did very good. But then again, not many scouts are coming to Ohioan amateur baseball games, so that could very well have been where Pete's baseball career ended. Miraculously, though, a scout did see Pete play and wrote a report that said he couldn't, quote, he couldn't hit, throw, or field. All he can do is hustle. And that's why the movie's called Hustling. So basically, he was just, he was bad. The scout said he was bad. So things looked bleak for Pete's career. Um, but nepotism came to save his career as Pete's uncle was also a scout for the Cincinnati Reds. And nice. one day... Pete's uncle stormed into the GM's office and said that his nephew would not only become a great baseball player, but would also sign for next to no money. Thanks, uncle. So it worked. And Pete did sign with the Cincinnati Reds, but lied about his age to receive a $7,000 signing bonus. Did he say he was younger or older? He said he was younger. He said he was like 17 or something. And he was like 19? Yeah. 
So, mm. That being said, though, over the next year, Pete gained 50 pounds of muscle. Wow. Because at the time that he was playing in the amateur league, he was under six feet and 150 pounds. Like he oh, was, my, a little tiny boy. He was scrawny, right? But he gained 50 pounds of muscle. He got jacked. Might have been steroids. We don't know at this point. Uh, Did they have them back then? Yes, but okay. it wasn't widespread. There wasn't widespread use of it in baseball. Uh-huh. But they were a thing. It's just no one really knew about it. Um, and dominated the minor leagues in his brief stint before making the big league club. After all his setbacks in high school, not being the best player on his high school team and getting held back a grade, Pete Rose made his major league debut for the Cincinnati Reds in 1963 and would go on to have one of the most storied careers in baseball history. Good for you, Pete. Good for you. And, I mean, we mentioned at the beginning, he's one of the best to ever do it. Um, And let's get into why. Uh, In spring training, which... Also for Nina and those at home, that's the preseason okay, of baseball. I know what that means. I just kind of got to assume you don't because remember the O.J. Simpson episode you mentioned? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I know more about baseball than football, <laughs> I think. In spring training of 1963, Whitey Ford, a storied Yankees player, gave Pete Rose the joking moniker of Charlie Hustle after Pete Rose full sprinted to first base after drawing what is comedically called in this instance a walk. So, like, he took the walk and fucking sprinted. To first base. So they were making fun of him. They called him Charlie Hustle. Uh, And despite trying to make fun of him, Pete would go on to adopt this nickname (laughs) as his own and brand a bunch of merch that he sold with it throughout his career. So it looks like Hustle has two meanings in this instance. But bam What's up, Charlie Hustle? Uh, Pete then went on to bat 273 in his first season and won the National League Rookie of the Year Award just three years after getting signed by the Reds. What is typical? Huh? For for a rookie, not that. Uh anything like over longer? Anything over three hundred is considered like outstanding. Oh. But the high two the high twos is also good. Basically anything under two, it's called the Mendoza line, batting two hundred. That means like you're you're doing really bad. Okay. But anything three or above is considered like outstanding. Pete Rose would go on to have a 23-year career, mostly with the Cincinnati Reds, uh, on a team that was nicknamed the Big Red Machine because of how they dominated the National League in the 70s. Uh, The same team where he won three World Series in 1975, 76, and 80. Uh, He also won the National League Most Valuable Player Award in 1973, He was an all-star in 17 of his 23 seasons, won two gold gloves, a silver slugger, led the league in batting average on three separate occasions, and still to this day holds the records for most career hits, singles, games played, at-bats, and plate appearances. In other words, he was really, really good. That's not even to mention that he also won, like, the Roberto Clemente Award one year, which is supposed to be the person who, like, is the epitome of the spirit of baseball on and off the field. It's usually given to someone who does a lot of charity work as well as also like a, a an admired player. There's a high school, Roberto Clemente high school in Robert. Chicago. He, uh, Roberto Clemente was like the first, um, first central American player to be in the hall of fame. Yeah. Something like that. He was a really good player for the pirates. Um, so they give that award out still this year. Um, and he got it at one point, which you're thinking, oh, he's probably a good guy, huh? <laughs> no. He's not. Uh. No, because we're doing a podcast about him. But that being said, since he uh, since playing, he has had his number, number 14, retired by the Reds and was voted to the Major League Baseball All-Century team out of all the players who played uh, in the 20th century. Oh. 20. Probably be 20th. 20th century. Yeah. Yeah, uh, although not the the biggest controversies that we'll discuss today, uh, his time in the major leagues was not without scandal. Uh, he was known to have a different woman he would meet with in every National League city. My man. And was slapped with multiple paternity suits, all while married, of course, to his wife, Carol. Uh, Aww, Carol. <laughs> Uh, he may have ended a player's career after running over the catcher Ray Fossey in the All-Star game, causing a severe shoulder injury that left the man in pain for the rest of his life, all because of a game that doesn't even mean anything to the season, because it was the All-Star game, so it doesn't even matter, and he ran him over at home plate and caused a career-ending injury to this guy. Uh, he was featured in Playboy magazine, which there's a picture. He's not naked. He's also... He, he wrote, just has a mitt over his dick. Uh, he's wearing a leopard speedo. 
and holding three baseball bats. Why three? I don't know. Because like when when players would warm up, they would hold multiple bats because it's heavier. Before they made bat weights, now they put a weight on a bat to make it heavier. I didn't even know about this. Um, but that's why you see pictures of old baseball players holding multiple baseball bats. I got bats. more bats to hit more bitches. I got shit. I got six bats to hit my wife with. Bam, bam, bam. Baseball players are notorious for beating their wives. So are police officers. Actually, every single professional athlete is pretty, pretty. Honestly, any man in too much power beats his wife. Not every single man. No, I'm just saying. Wife, but they, 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 yeah, there's definitely more instances of it. Yeah. Yeah. You never hear of a plumber beating his wife. That's not true. I Mario haven't. beats the fuck out of Princess Peach. That's because she asks for it. No, what? <laughs> what did you just say to me? Oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> Woof. Let's, let's all. I didn't even know Mario was a plumber. Uh, let's all have a moment of silence for Nina's career. After she just victim blamed uh, domestic abuse victims. It's Princess Peach. First of all. <laughs> no, don't defend it. <laughs> I didn't even know Mario was a plumber. Yeah. Canonically, he and his brother Luigi are both plumbers. That's why they have all the pipes. Oh. I didn't know that. Second of all. <laughs> when did you ever know? I never knew about him beating her. He d- it was a joke because you said plumbers and I thought Mario. I don't think he actually beats Princess Peach. To get back to Pete Rose <laughs> in Playboy. So him being in Playboy, that's not super controversial. Whatever. You want to do a speed. He's ugly, by the way. I don't know if you looked at pictures of him. This man I just is, saw him old. This is an ugly man, even when he was younger. Yeah, look up the Playboy picture because. Pete Rose Playboy. And you t- like this man. No, he- not videos. He's got such a square, <laughs> gross looking. That was just so not what I pictured. <laughs> Look at oh, he's two bats. Sorry, not three bats. It's two bats, and it's not leopard print. What is it? It's. I can't tell. I it's don't it's a care. printed speedo though. Oh, is what it is. Lord have mercy. Why now? Anyway, th- that- he's got a bull cut. He looks like that one stooge. It's a it's a bull cut mullet hybrid. Actually, what's thank the you one very stooge's much? name? Uh, you're talking about. I think he looks like Larry. Mo or Mo. Mo's the main guy who has the bull cut. He right? looks like Mo. Yeah. Anyway, he's ugly. He's an ugly man. He's always been an ugly man. He Sorry, is packing. If this is all him, that looks like a normal bulge. I don't. I don't. I don't think it looks excessive. It looks like he has a heavy ball sack. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, the list of things I didn't think I'd hear today. That and Princess Peach deserve to be beat. Um, <laughs> Oh, look, you might talk about this later, but he has a TLC show with a very hot wife. Mm, I will talk about it later. I won't talk about it. I will talk about it later. But you're probably thinking, Kashan, being in Playboy magazine, that's not, you know, that's not super controversial. Yeah, she got big boobs. Uh, Like, that's not super controversial. Um, But he also did publicly admit to taking amphetamines before games uh, in that Playboy article that he was interviewed in, which was a common practice in baseball at the time. But no one talked about it. Right. You know, they all... Don't did, ask, don't tell. They all took these things called greenies in the clubhouses, which was literally just like amphetamine pills that they would take before games. But you didn't talk about it. Uh, he was also corking his bats uh, in the last few years of his career, which was discovered by X-Ray and game use bats that he had those seasons. What does that mean? So you drill a hole in the bat and you replace it with cork. It makes the bat lighter so you can swing it faster. Oh. Makes you better at hitting. Oh. It's like when Tom Brady... Deflate gate? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sammy Sosa, actually, for the Chicago Cubs, is famous for being caught with a corked bat, who uh, he's best known for uh, his home run uh, race with um, McGuire from the Cardinals to beat the all-time record for home runs in a season. They okay. were both like on pace to beat it in the same season. Um, and Sammy Sosa ended up not... Um, McGuire did and then was beat by Barry Bonds, who was also super on steroids. They were all super on steroids, but, you know. So he was corking his bat. That's one that's close to home. Um, 
The scandal that would ruin Pete Rose, however, came about at the end of his career. In 1984, he returned to the Cincinnati Reds as a player slash manager. He was a player and the manager of the team. That seems like a conflict of interest. Hey, so that, at the beginning of baseball, that was a very common practice. Hmm, interesting. For, for a long time, the manager of the baseball team was mm-hmm. also a player on the baseball team. This just seems dumb. It hasn't been like that for a long time. This is the last instance of this I could ever find, and also it wasn't even common around this time. So it was weird, but they did it. Like at one point, he promoted himself to be like the starting first baseman, which is just weird to say, but he did it. Um, But he only did that for two years because he switched to just being the manager after 1986 when he unofficially retired as a player. Um, His management career was also not without issues, though, because at one point he was suspended for 30 days after an altercation where he pushed an umpire twice, causing fans to throw objects onto the field and the umpire to be taken away for the rest of the game for his own safety. He, like, physically attacked an umpire. Because he was just mad about what he called? Yeah, they they just got into a fight, and then Pete Rose says that, that the guy, that the umpire poked him in the eye. And that's why he pushed him back. But the umpire wrote like a memoir later that he still denies touching him in that instance. He's like, no, I never did that. He just pushed me. I believe the umpire. It's also the longest suspension given to a manager for an umpire altercation. Because usually it's like a day or two. It's 30. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, in 1989, Pete's, Pete Rose's last year of managing the Reds, he was informally questioned by the commissioner of baseball, Paul Uberoff about allegations that Pete was betting on baseball games while playing and managing. In March of 1989, the public first got wind of this after Sports Illustrated released a report of the allegations against Rose. The new commissioner of baseball, Bart Giamatti, then retained lawyer John Dowd to launch a formal investigation into the allegations that Pete Rose bet on baseball while still in the game. Uh, The final nail was driven into Rose's coffin, though, as a detailed 238-page report was was presented to Giamatti by John Dowd later. That is so long. Yeah, I actually um, read a good chunk of it. I started reading it, and it's actually really interesting for me because I love baseball, so I was... I was super interested in it, but I got 90 pages in and I was like, when does this end? And then I scrolled down and saw that it was 238 pages. I was like, 90 pages is enough. Uh, so and I now know way too much about just like exactly how all this went on because it was very, it was a very detailed report. So good job, John Dowdy did a very good job uh, putting together this information and presenting it in a report in like less than a year. It's impressive. Yeah. The Dowd report found written evidence in the form of betting sheets confirmed to be in Rose's own handwriting that showed he placed bets during his managerial and playing tenure on Major League Baseball games and even on his own team. Dowd corroborated this with witness testimony and the evidence from Rose's bank accounts that showed that he bet on 52 Reds games in 1987 alone and that Rose wagered a minimum of $10,000 a day. Because Rose would bet at least $1,000 per game. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And bro, to make this worse, Rose originally made these bets using a kid he took in at 19 named Tommy Giosa, who Pete had lived with him and taught him about playing baseball. And he even got Tommy signed with the Orioles, but he also got Tommy to commit a bunch of crimes for him uh, because in 1988... Tommy Giosa was found transporting cocaine across state lines, which is where the original accusations of Pete Rose betting on baseball came from because they found betting sheets in his car that were for Rose, which is what Sports Illustrated used to release the article to the public about the accusations. Interesting. Because at the same time, they were also busting another one of Pete Rose's accomplices Mm -hmm. with the same things. And... What he was doing was actually illegal because he was using illegal bookkeepers to place the bets. Okay. So he was just going to these, I mean, I don't know the law behind placing bets and taking bets, but I think you probably have to have some sort of license to do it on a large scale. So these people are like, they just take people's bets and 
mm-hmm. run an illegal operation with it because they probably don't report any of the earnings or anything. Also, in the report, there were all these really shady dealings. Like when you would deliver the money to them, you'd like meet them at a gas station and like throw cash through the window. Because you, mm. you got to remember, this is the 80s. So right. there's no internet or wire transfer right, or right. anything like that. It's just checks and cash. Cash money. Cash money. So the Dowd report and all of the witness testimony within, including people who made bets for Rose, including Tommy Giosa, never claimed that Rose bet against his team to win. But he bet on his team to win almost every single game. That doesn't seem super smart. So nothing has ever come out saying that he ever bet against the Reds. That being said, uh, John Dowd has come out recently and said he believes he did bet against the Reds, but he he can't know for sure. Well, you can't win every time. Well, the thing is, is that he, they said that he. Oh, because he could have like tried to convince them to lose or like. He was managing the game. He could purposely manage it in a way that they would lose. Got it. You know, he could fuck up on purpose. Mm-hmm. And when he was a player, he could just fuck up on purpose. You make an error, mm-hmm. strike out mm-hmm. on purpose, like whatever. That's why they don't, he, just like the 1919 Black Sox did, he could throw a game to get money. Right. Um. So everyone basically says now that, like, there's never been evidence that he bet against them, which would be worse, but... There was like he would. They said that he would never bet on certain pitchers to win games, but then in the ledgers showed that he did make bets on the Reds on days that those pitchers were pitching. Okay. So if that's all true, then he must have bet against them to win on the days that 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 pitcher was pitching, right? Because he thought they were going to lose, right? It was said that Pete's associates would even sit in the audience at Red Games to give Pete covert hand signals to let him know how his bets were doing that day. Because there was a period of like 17 days where the scoreboard that would show other team scores was down. So he would invite his boys to come in and sit in the audience and give him hand signals to let him know how many of his teams were winning. Because the guy would have to get up, go to a payphone, and And call call a sports line... To get the scores to come back and then give the hand signals. This is a lot of work. Uh, that's what I was thinking. It was so complicated to do this at a time without like phones. I am such a lazy individual. There's no way I would do this. All. Yeah, especially if you're losing this much money. At one point, it was said that he was like $750,000 in debt to illegal bookkeepers. Oh, my God. So he's not even good. Multiple times, different bookkeepers stopped doing business with him because he owed them like $40,000 each. That's insane. Because, I mean, you're betting $10,000 a day. Right. You know, it's crazy. Or at one point even, so Tommy Giosa and Pete Rose had a falling out Mm -hmm. um, in like 1987. And... He was he supposedly gave him a thirty four thousand dollar check to give to one of his bookies uh, to pay off a debt, and then Tommy Giosa cashed the check and then disappeared with it because when Good he for Tommy. when he wrote these checks, he had to write them in like the names of the people cashing them or just write them out to cash because he didn't want the paper trail going to the person and the per- and the illegal bookkeeper also doesn't want that, so he had to do that. And he just stole like $34,000. He also always wrote the checks in $8,000 increments because if you remember, if it's $10,000... You have to report it to the IRS. You have to report it to the IRS and fill out a form at the bank. So he was purposely avoiding doing that all the time, which he did admit to in the investigation. He was like, yeah, I, just, you know, I don't want to have to fill... He always said that the checks were for like a loan, but he was like, yeah, I don't want to fill out the form at the bank. So I wrote it for $8,000. Like three $8,000 checks. So Pete Rose vehemently denies the allegations though or did deny the allegations even when presented with evidence such as the checks payable to cash from his account that i just mentioned Uh, and they were for the exact amounts that were said by the people who placed the bets they said i placed this bet for this amount they looked at his financial records he wrote checks for that amount on those days um Rose always said the checks were just made for another reason, like I just said, uh, for like a loan or something. Even going so far as to denying that he had ever seen the betting sheets found in his house that a handwriting specialist verified was Pete Rose's handwriting. No, I've never seen that in my life. I've never seen it. And they were like... They were like, Pete, we got a handwriting specialist to verify this is you. And he said, "I I I can neither agree or disagree with that. All I know is that I've never seen these before. What a turd. You're like, yes, you have, Pete. 
he was very like he was just lying and obviously he was wrong right um and then after rose refused to appear at a hearing with the commissioner the two parties entered settlement talks in the end pete rose and major league baseball agreed mutually to a lifetime ban from major league baseball for pete rose to put on a permanent uh put him permanently on the ineligible list is technically what it is uh this acted as a no contest plea for rose and according to baseball rules he could apply for reinstatement after a year of course this would keep pete rose off of the ballot for the baseball hall of fame but commissioner giamatti even said publicly that when he was eligible pete rose's name would be on the ballot the only problem was is that giamatti died just eight days after pete's ban was agreed to and the new commissioner did not feel the same way. Damn. Pete Rose has applied for reinstatement with each commissioner since the ban, arguing that he wasn't aware that his agreement would keep him out of the Hall of Fame since the formal rule wasn't voted in until 2002 to exclude players on the ineligible list from the Hall of Fame. It was kind of always an unspoken I feel, rule. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I feel like that would just be an unspoken rule. It was an unspoken rule. But they made it an actual rule after he agreed to it. Well, Pete, maybe you shouldn't have been a douchebag. Yeah, know? maybe you shouldn't like, have been doing feel, all the legal bets. Like, I really don't feel bad for you. Oh, no. He's not, a, he's not a cool guy. No, my sympathy meter is in the toilet. He didn't care about the people he used to get his money. No, clearly. You take someone in under your wing and then you make that like you know tommy giosa he takes him in under his wing and then he uses him for crime i mean like that's a fucked up foster care situation and like they do happen but like that's literally what he did no fuck you dude you don't get to be in the hall of fame like at one point uh also how many like who cares uh the guy who was making bets for him in uh new york it was this guy named chevenworth and one time he called being like hey you gotta pay you gotta pay us um, for this for this money, um, his bookie in New York who goes by the nickname Val, they never found out who that was. But I guess he called and he's like, yeah, no, this other guy was making the bets under my name, the guy who he was having placed the bets. And he was in the room with him. And he was like, yeah, this guy's placing bets under my name. Ask him for the money and then hung up. And then he turned to the guy. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. They're pussies. And then that guy, his mom got called and they were threatening to kill him. <laughs> So he obviously doesn't care about these people, but he pretends that he does, and he's just using them to well, feed his gambling addiction. You know, he's you've seen throughout his whole entire career that he just doesn't care about anybody because he didn't care about his wife. He cheated on her in every city that he went to, had all those, like, you know, illegitimate children, and... Yeah. Pete Rose cares about Pete Rose. Yeah, Pete yeah. Rose loves Pete Rose and his stupid, um, what's the guy's name? His Barney Flintstone body. <laughs> he does look like Barney Flintstone. I that's, know. that's hilarious. <laughs> He's like short and hilariously boxy. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, his recourse with Major League Baseball, however, was not the only trouble for Pete Rose. He also had to contend with the law. Uh-oh. Uh, after the Dowd reports and the permanent ban from MLB, in April of 1990, Pete Rose pleaded guilty to two charges of filing false income tax returns where he didn't correctly report income received from signing autographs, memorabilia sales, and horse race winnings. Uh, in actuality, there was probably way more than this over the course of his career uh, because the horse race winnings was only a 30, it was like a $40,000 uh, horse race winning that he had Tommy Giosa claim, by the way, on his taxes so he wouldn't have to, um, <laughs> which brought Tommy Giosa into this as well. In the Dowd report, uh, it was said that Rose would ask for payment on his baseball card tours, which gained him around $1,200 a day in cash so that he wouldn't have to claim it, even going so far as stating that he got super upset with one of the people who booked him for trying to pay him with a check because he didn't want to report any of the money he was making. So he was like going around and signing people's baseball cards? Is that what he was Yeah, doing? it was like a okay. baseball card tour. Where they're like, they sell memorabilia, and he like signs baseballs and does autographs and takes pictures, and he gets money for it. He was doing those, making like $1,200 a day in the in the 80s, you know, in the 70s, which is a lot of money. And well, then, that's a lot of money now. I've never made $1,200 in one. Uh, that's a, no, I've never made $12,000 in one day. Me? Or 1200 I mean. 
Me either. And he was asking for it all in cash, so he didn't have to report it. So over the course of his career, there's way more than that. It's just finally this report got him slapped with that tax evasion, you know? And you're already making so much money with your contract in the MLB, right? He was—he also signed the highest-paid contract. It was four years, $3.4 million with the Phillies. Oh, wow. When he went to the Phillies after the, the Reds. And he still was like, no, like, I got to hide all of this to keep even more of my money. It's fucked up. It's greedy. Yeah, no, know? he's a greedy little bastard. Cares about himself, like we just said. Uh, did you know, by the way, Nina, there's a question on your taxes to record income from illegal operations? I did know this, actually. I seriously wonder if anyone if anyone has ever done that. I feel like someone has um, done it. Like, on accident. They're like, I got to apply for a mortgage next year, actually, so I got to get all the income I can reported on my taxes. I feel like somebody just filled in a line wrong. <laughs> and then they they have, like, the FBI knocking on the door, so like, they're like, so what illegal operations? Yeah, huh? yeah. Huh? Yeah, I saw that on the internet not that long ago, actually, and I was like, the government's greedy, so yeah, I'm not shocked that they're asking that question because people were like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And I'm like, how can you not believe it? Of course they're going to ask you, right? Yeah. I mean, technically the law does state that you have to report all income, yeah. even from legal activities. Yeah. So, mm. um, But because of this, Pete Rose was sentenced to five months in prison, fined $50,000, paid $366,000 in $366,041 in back taxes and performed 1,000 hours of community That's service. That's a lot of community service. Yeah, I know. 1,000 hours, it's what, like, it's like 50 whole days. It's 46, sorry, 41.6 days. Damn, bro. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, he did that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's if you're working for 24 hours straight. Yeah. Which he obviously was Obviously not. was not. Because uh, he was pudgy by this point, too. There's no way he could do that. Yeah. Uh, in 2004, just after his final ballot to be eligible for the Hall of Fame lapsed, Pete Rose released an autobiography titled My Prison Without Bars. Oh, my God. Which is a disgusting cliche of a title uh, where he finally admitted to betting on Reds games but still insisted he never bet against his team. And this is after 15 my years of denying all the allegations. My prison without bars. My like, prison dude, without bars. you did everything to yourself. Sorry, whatever. This topic is so contentious, by the way. There are a lot of people that think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I mean, mean, I could see the argument, but like... He was a really good player, but he agreed to the lifetime ban. Sucks to suck. Yeah, like, you, I don't know what to tell you. Also, the fact that he's not in Cooperstown in... The Hall of Fame. Um, it's in a place called Cooperstown. Um, he's there are still like three hundred pieces of Pete Rose memorabilia up for display in the Hall of Fame, even though well he's then not in shut it. Shut up, Pete Rose. Exactly. Uh, between nineteen ninety eight and two thousand, however, though Pete Rose was on multiple WWE Smackdowns, where it became a running joke that he got beat up by the wrestler Kane, uh, whose nickname was also the Big Red Machine. By the way. Um, because of this, he finally did find his way into a Hall of Fame, being the first inductee into the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. Wow, he was like the OG Jake Paul when he like fought boxers, except it's WWE. Except it's even more fake. And he also got um, something called a stink face, which is where a guy rubs his, his, your face in between his ass cheeks. Oh, I do that for free. It's a really large Samoan man. Even... Better. All right. Uh, <laughs> he did, however, worm his way into an actual baseball Hall of Fame because in 2016, he was enshrined into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. I don't want to hear it anymore. You're in so many Hall of Fame. Yeah, he was even hired by Fox Sports as a commentator in 2014, but was fired in 2017 after details of a relationship with a 17-year-old girl in the 1970s circulated, also produced by John Dowd, by the way, the same guy who created the uh, the original report. Um, not saying it's okay, but at least it happened in the 70s. I thought, like, when you first said it, it was going to be, like, right then. Yeah, no. I mean, it's still shitty and wrong and should not... No, it's yeah, not he, okay. He was at least not 65 when it happened, yeah. yeah. Um, but Rose says that the relationship didn't start until she was of age, but there was some grooming action going on for sure. Whatever. Like, the age of consent was probably... Because in most states, the age of consent is 16, but, like... That still doesn't make it okay uh, Pete, when you're 25 to yeah, no. have sex with a minor. Uh, Pete Rose also did file a defamation suit about John Dowd about this. Um, yeah, but if it's true, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, well, they ended up settling outside of court for we don't even know. So 
if well, he gave him any money. I don't know, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I feel bad for the girl. Yeah. And who knows who else he did it to, obviously. Well, obviously, like when you're in a position like that, also uh, people who are in positions like that often take advantage of people, I feel like, sexually because they can. Yeah. And they're like, do you know who I am? I'm fucking Pete Rose, dude. Have you not seen my Playboy? I'm holding two Two bats bats. and my ball sack looks really heavy. Damn, speaking of dicks, uh, (laughs) to this day, Pete Rose... (laughs) Still earns more than one million dollars. Yep, one million dollars annually selling merchandise, including a chance to meet him in person and have dinner with him for five thousand dollars every single year. He goes to Cooperstown when they announce the Hall of Fame inductees, and he does a whole separate thing next to it. And people still come. Like, what a little loser! Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. We're gonna go to Pete Rose's party, just like how people went to Kanye West's New Year's Eve because. Pete Davidson was hosting it like a like a a block away. So Kanye West threw his own I New Year's Eve party, about that. and he was like, "Well, if they're not going to let me at that New Year's Eve party, I'm going to throw my own." But Pete Rose does that every year for the Hall of Fame inductees. I mean, honestly, Kanye would probably do it every year if it needed to happen. Yeah, probably. Um, but just like Pete Rose, Kanye's kind of a little bitch. Yeah, that's fair. Egomaniac, for sure. Well, an egomaniac, yes. Maybe not a little bitch, but um, yes, egomaniac. Pete Rose also gets a bunch of casino sponsorships. Why? Just, Why? Just because of his reputation as a gambler. So people sponsor him to gamble? Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, which which is kind of like Charlie Sheen becoming the ambassador for cocaine after it's legalized. What? What? Charlie Sheen is the ambassador for cocaine after it becomes legalized? No, it's like that. It's like it's oh, like oh, making oh, someone oh, who's oh. a degenerate the ambassador for something that made him a degenerate in the first place. Aha. Now I understand what you're saying. Yeah. No, I didn't know that this was a thing. Well, so he's... This he, is like when the guy the, gets... This is worse than the guy... Johnny Chestnut getting sponsorships for the hot dog eating contest oh, every yeah. year. Joey. Joey. Right? What the fuck ever? The no one needs to consume seventy hot dogs in one sitting. Do not support this. Don't keep do, a man from his dream. Do not support Pete Rose and his gambling. Well, he sponsors casinos. I I I, I was trying to stop you because I think you were misinterpreting the whole time. Oh, I definitely like did. they hire ah. him to sponsor their casino. Like this, so they, oh. so they take videos of him gambling in their casino and then do use they pay that. him? Yeah, of course they pay. Well, yeah, no, I'm still as mad. Okay. <laughs> still fucking stupid. All right. Um, now, you're probably asking, what else is Pete Rose up to now? Well, he lives with his Playboy model girlfriend, Kiana Kim, which we mentioned earlier, uh, the two of which were the faces of a short-lived 2013 reality show called Pete Rose Hits and Misses, spelt M-R-S, period. I think that this was a TLC show, correct? Yeah. Yeah, TLC. I don't know who makes the TLC shows, but they need to be stopped. <laughs> they just need to be stopped. They just they just love trash. They love putting trash on TV. Hits and misses. Uh, a big part of that, by the way, was uh, Kiana wanted a breast reduction, and Pete Rose was like, "I don't want her to get her. I don't want to. I want her titties to be smaller." Um, I saw a picture of her titties on Google. Fake, right? yeah, yeah, she probably just wanted to take the implant out. And just maybe put a smaller one in. Yeah, either or not have an implant at all. Which I guess is technically a breast reduction. Well, if, yeah, because if you, if you go it. from a double D to a C, it's still a reduction, whether or not it's a fake titty or not. Yeah, well, he wasn't for it. I don't know if she got it. I don't watch the show, full disclosure. Uh, now I've got to go watch this show and see if she got her breasts reducted. So Pete Rose is now 80 years old. With big old mommy milkers in his face. It, I mean, I, it's said online that they're in an open relationship, so I don't think they fuck. He just can't get it up, so she just cucks him. Pete Rose would be a cuck. Yeah, right? Especially now. Look at him. He's just he got a cuck face for sure. Uh, and although he was a fantastic baseball player, the content of his character seems to be a little bit more murky and cucky. <laughs> now I can't stop thinking of him being a cuck. Sorry. Sorry to you and everyone who just had to listen to me say that. Uh, so Pete Rose. Oh, he's so gross. I know. We're transitioning the outro. Don't worry. It's Sorry. Almost, it's almost over. It's almost over. Uh, Pete Rose is one of the best players to ever step onto a baseball field. Whether he is a good person is another question entirely. 
Baseball players are richer than any of us will probably ever be, and he manipulated those around him to try to use his wealth to attain even more. Using Tommy Giosa, a kid by all accounts, Pete Rose ran an ethically questionable gambling lifestyle that ended his managerial career and got Tommy locked up for five years on drug charges. He went to prison for five years. Uh, Despite the evidence against him, Pete Rose denied all allegations in the narcissistic way that only people who commit financial crimes can, not caring about anyone else because their wealth has allowed them to feel better than everyone in the world. Well, Pete, you will never be in the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. You had sexual relations with an underage woman, and at least in my opinion, you are more than just a bit of a dick. So, as we end most of these episodes, fuck you, Pete Rose. Yeah, because you're too old to have your girlfriend fuck you. So, (laughs) So, if you also loved today's episode... uh, then please support us by giving us a review. You can leave uh, a review on iTunes, a written review. If you want to rate us, you can do that on iTunes, and you can now do that on Spotify. Please drop by, uh, give us a review and a rating. Uh, If you're listening on any of the other services, you can follow or subscribe. And even on those first two, you can also do that. Easy way to support us and support our content. If you want a not free way to support us, Buy some merch, y'all. Get a sweater for the winter. Get a laptop bag. Get a mug uh, so you can enjoy your coffee in the morning as you you frankly look at business articles freaking out. Um, Because if you listen to this, you're probably doing that. Uh, Another free way to support us, follow our socials. Like uh, Facebook.com. Yeah, you know, whatever. I'm putting the cart before the horse there. Facebook.com slash white collars, red hands. Twitter, at white collars pod. Instagram, at White collars, underscore, red hands. You can listen directly on our website. Check out our bio. Get the link to our merch, whitecollarsredhands.com. You can send us, you can send us an email, uh, suggest an episode for season seven, um, and you can send that email to whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. Hell, drop by. Let us know if you like these sports episodes. I'm a big sports fan, so I like doing these crossover episodes between sport and white-collar crime. I actually like them, too, because usually the sports people are crazy. Yeah, dude, they're fucking insane, especially the ones we talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, oh, I do have one more thing. You can listen to us uh, on YouTube, Mm -hmm. youtube.com slash entertainment buffet. We're hosted on Entertainment Buffet. We actually were just on the newest episode of the Entertainment Buffet podcast where we talk about um, how we create the show, um, why we created the show, a little bit about ourselves. There's some jokes along the way. It's really fun. So check that out and check out all of our episodes on YouTube. Uh, It's a free way that we also get monetary support. So that would be great. Um, And with that, though, I think that's it. Yes. Yeah. So we will see you next week on another episode of White Collars, Red Red Hands. Hands.